Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad you're here. If this is your first time to visit with us and you have questions, don't hesitate to ask the friendly and knowledgeable people at the visitor table, and they will do their best to answer you. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you say with me the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith? In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Good morning, everyone. I'm Michael West. I'll be here later this morning. Our call to worship this morning is a reading from the diary of Anne Frank. I can feel the suffering of millions, and yet, if I look up into the heavens, I think it will all come right, and that this cruelty too will end, and that peace and tranquility will return again. In the meantime, I must uphold my ideals, for perhaps the time will come when I shall be able to carry them out. A reading for Centering this morning from Been in the Storm So Long by Loretta F. Williams. We, bearers of the dream, affirm that a new vision of hope is emerging. We pledge to work for that community in which justice will be actively present. We affirm that there is struggle yet ahead. Yet we know that in the struggle is the hope for the future. We affirm that we are co-creators of the future, not passive pawns. And we stand united in affirmation of our hope and vision of a just and inclusive society. We affirm the unity of all persons. We affirm brotherhood and sisterhood that allows us to touch upon each other's humanity. We've come to the time of centering in our worship service when we breathe together deeply. Where we follow the breath as it goes down into our bodies and then leaves, comes back, giving us life. Seeking the still place where we can speak to God as we understand God or listen to our inner wisdom, or just follow our breath. Listen to tiny child noises and the noises of life. Let us enter into the wise silence together, mindful that in this congregation, as I said, child noises and the noises of life are part of silence. I want to talk about anger today. Almost all spiritual traditions have something to say about it. Um, 
The Dalai Lama famously says that anger is like a cloud passing across the sun and you should just let it pass. Because I am not now the person that I hope to be in the future, I want to put the Dalai Lama in a room with a one-year-old and a three-year-old for a week and have him be fighting a cold. And then invite him to say something about anger again. I don't wish him ill at all. I just wish him a broader experience. The Hebrew scriptures are full of anger. God gets angry at the people. The people get angry at God. Um, In the book of Job, which is the very first book that ever was written that's included in the Bible, um, Job is angry at God because God has uh, smitten him with various terrible things. Um, And they say, Job, probably this stuff is happening because you're being disrespectful to God. You're... You're being angry at God. That's not good. And Job's like, no, uh-uh. Um, I have a relationship with God, and he is not holding up his end. And I'm mad about it. And I'll say that I'm mad about it. And that is presented at the end when God comes to the picture and says to the friends, you guys are morons, and says to Job, you're right. You should be angry. And here's my answer to your suffering. I'm God. And that's it. It is nowhere frowned upon. It is a faithful response within a relationship. The Christians' uh, scriptures, Jesus says, be angry but do not sin. So Rabbi Jesus was famously angry with the people who were changing money in the temple. Most of y'all remember that he got mad, he took a whip, he went, turned over their tables and and thwacked them around a little bit to make sure that they got out of there and... um, He was unapologetic. It was time to be angry. That was something that was worth being angry about. He did something with his anger, and there you go. So um, most of you know I was a therapist for a long time, and so I want to tell you this is another one of those sermons where I talk about anger, and I just kind of take a bag and dump out everything that I learned as a therapist um, and things that I couldn't say because I was too busy going, hmm. Number one, anger is a signal. You know, pain is a signal that there's something wrong with your body. Guilt is a signal that you've done something you don't feel so good about. Um, Anger is a signal. And what's it a signal of? It's a signal of many things. Number one, that your boundaries have been violated, that you've been intruded upon, that you're being colonized in some way, or that uh, too much is being asked of you or taken from you that yourself is being given away, that your rights are being compromised, that you're being confined, or just that you're not getting your way. So anger is meant to move you from a painful place into a place where there's less pain. Anger is supposed to light up a situation so that you can look at it and be motivated to ask yourself questions about it. Is this right? Is that right? It's motivating you to go get a reality check from someone you trust. I said this, and then she said that, and then he said this, and should I be mad about this or what? 
And you know, I told you before, you know about how sincere you are about wanting an answer by who you go to with this question. Because some of your friends will just say, oh my gosh, you're right, I'm on your side totally. And other people will say, "Mm, maybe you had a little part in this. And if you're really sincere about a reality check, you'll go to those friends. So anger isn't a good thing, and it's not a bad thing. It's just, as one of my teachers would say, it's a just-so story. Anger just is. And it's what you do with it. It's how you use it that makes uh, creation happen or destruction happen. And sometimes destruction is what needs to happen. I'm not saying destruction in a bad way. A lot of people have um, various styles of anger. One style of anger is just venting. Just like, you just um, vent all over your friends or you vent all over your family or you just vent in your car. Um, I had a friend who had a hula girl on the front dashboard of his car and he used to just talk to her. He'd be like, hula girl. This situation stinks. Um, If you just vent, it's a good way to stay stuck. Because nothing moves, nothing changes. You just mad about it. You just pop off about it. It doesn't do anything for you. Um... If you stay angry and don't move from it, then it starts to eat you up. Um, A lot of times you vent just because you don't know what to do about it, right? You're partnered with somebody in life who, you you know, you've talked about money, you've agreed that they're not going to spend any more money, and you're not going to spend any more money, and you're being really careful, and they are not being careful, and... What do you do? All you can do is just rah, 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 until something changes. And usually uh, complaining doesn't make things change. So a lot of people are in stuck situations. I'm not saying that this is easy. I'm just saying watch yourself if you're venting so much because um, that's not going to really change things. And a lot of your venting statements are about other people, you know, My parents won't blah, 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 or my children never, or my friends are like this, or my boss is like that. A very fruitful question that you can ask yourself if you're angry is, what part of your anger is anger at yourself? That's the part we don't normally want to look at, but sometimes we're willing. And if we look at what part of our anger is anger at ourselves, Um, then we have something to work with because you can work on yourself. You can't really change other people. It's really hard to change yourself. And one of the things that I noticed as a couples counselor was that most of the time when people came into couples counseling, they were both feeling controlled. She would say, he's controlling me, and he would say, she's so controlling. Or she and she, or he and he, really, gay relationships are 
almost exactly like heterosexual relationships, in case you didn't know. So everybody feels controlled. And I think if everybody feels controlled, who's doing the controlling? And I began to wonder whether the control was maybe in here. And I began to notice that sometimes people would make things worse than they were. They would almost lie down and put the other person's foot on their neck and say, ow, his foot's on my neck. And he'd be like, how did that happen? Certainly wasn't my intention. And I think the control is some kind of uh, law of relationships that people feel controlled. And then you need to ask yourself, how much of this controlling is me? A lot of us are living with really old rage. It's just there like an ancient stuffed animal with no fur on the bed, just glowing eyes like a horror movie. I'm your old rage. (laughs) And Jungian analyst Clarissa Pinkola Estes, whom I love, says, sit down with your old rage. Have a cup of coffee with your old rage. Ask it what it wants. Ask it what it's doing. Talk, and maybe there can be some learning. Most people are very afraid of their old rage because it feels so powerful, and they say things like, oh, no, if I ever started, I would never stop. There, I had one client who would not, we would sit, and I would say, let's just be quiet for three minutes. And she would say, oh, no, no. I'm not deep breathing, and I'm not being quiet for three minutes. No. Because if I were quiet for three minutes, I would start to think. And if I started to think, I would start to feel. And if I started to feel, I would explode like a volcano. And that is, that is being scared of the feelings, which really aren't that scary once you let the air hit them. Once you name them, you say, I'm feeling shame, I'm feeling embarrassment, I'm feeling sorrow, I'm feeling anger. They're just feelings. And usually they have names, and if you can name them, then you can have a relationship with them. When your rage burns really hot, it can burn your house down. When your rage is not dealt with, it can leave everything kind of cold and mushy. Think about cooking. If you have... Cooking is magic. I don't do it myself, but I know people who do. You take various elements that are themselves something, and you put them into a cauldron, and then you apply heat. And there's a transformation into something else, which is wonderful. And sometimes it smells good and doesn't set off the fire alarm. And so anger is like that. You need to cook with your anger rather than let it burn the house down. And in order to cook with your anger, you need to practice being angry. And some of us were never allowed to practice being angry. 
And so when we finally allow ourselves to be angry, we're very clumsy at it. Does that make sense? And so I have a three-year-old granddaughter who is strong-willed and fabulous. And so she's angry a lot. And sometimes when she was two, she would just scream. And I would say, you're really angry. And she'd be like, oh. Say, you're really good at being angry. (laughs) And her parents do this too. And now she goes, I'm really angry. You're like, yes, you are. (laughs) You want to stamp your feet? Although it doesn't always work. One time I was doing that there and she was like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I don't know what that was all about. I just called her mom. I said, time for you to, time for you to take over here. So it takes practice on how to use anger properly and how to act on anger properly and how to use it to say, what is wrong here? How are my boundaries being violated? Am I being invaded by someone? Is someone standing next to me and using me for something that doesn't have to do with me? I used to get, I used to get angry um, when I would have conversations with my children because they didn't know how to make conversation and they would just talk at you. And they would tell you about Pokemon cards and they would... <laughs> Just go on and on. I'm like, okay, well, I had three magics. And then he had the power of death. And then I had the wagon of destruction. And when you take the wagon of destruction and you put it in the power, and I'd be like, uh, uh, I understand every single word you're saying. But I don't understand them when you put them all together. But I knew also that... I needed to practice listening, and they needed to practice conversation. And then I could say, you know what? A conversation has to do with when you say something, and then you stop. And then I say something back to you that has to do with what you said to me. And then you listen to what I said, and then you say something back that has something to do with what I said to you. And now they're great at it. You know. Uh, But I, I... you know, you get mad about stupid stuff. And it's hardly ever about the stuff you're mad at. There's a root of most anger, and the root of most anger is, do you love me? Do you see me? Am I of value to you? All the fighting about money and all the fighting about control and all the fighting about power and all the fighting about who loaded the dishwasher the wrong way. It's all about, do you love me? Do you see me? Do you value me? And if you can can take the anger and maybe open it up and look at it and see what the root of it is for you and what the stories you're telling yourself about what they are doing are, then maybe you can check your stories with them. We talk about this all the time. 
there's what happens, and then there's your story about what happens. And sometimes you're so angry because you're telling a story about what happened that you might need to check with the person with whom you're angry. And you say, you know what? I'm telling myself the story that you did that because you think blah, 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 blah about me. And then, then they can go, what? No, not at all. Or they can go, mm, yeah, you're right. I was kind of thinking that. And that way you get your story to be the most accurate story it can be. And then you're not mad about stupid stuff. You can be mad about the right stuff. And then when you're mad about the right stuff, then you can decide what you're going to do about it. Now, a lot of us are mad in a kind of a global way right now because we see so much that's not right. And we watch people who say things that are completely outrageous. And then you watch thousands of people going, yeah, that's right. And you think, holy moly, what is wrong with these people? And then you say, what part of this anger is anger at myself? None of it. (laughs) They're crazy. This is bad. And then you can ask yourself, what do I need to do about this besides vote, which we're all going to do, right? We're going to vote. What can I do about it? And sometimes the answer is nothing. That's frustrating. So sometimes you need a strategy for when you're feeling really, really angry about something you can't do anything about right now. And you need to replace that anger with some kind of something. My thought is the universe has many people that it's going to use to make this right. I will make something right that I can do something about. And my job is to add to the joy in the world. If I'm having a nice life and I can make a few things right, my joy is not going to hurt those people who are suffering. And my suffering over their suffering is not going to do them any good. So I'm going to do what I can and enjoy my life. And I'm going to try to dismantle the white supremacy that is all around me, blah, blah, blah. Because that's important. And it's not up to people of color to dismantle it because they didn't build it. So, anger is useful. And anger moves you. And anger can help you. And so suppressing your angry and saying, I shouldn't be angry, is not helpful. Because it might pass like a a cloud across the sun, but the thing that made it there is still going to be happening and needs to be fixed. So you need to draw your boundaries and you need to say to a person, I will not be spoken to like that. Or I will not join my money with yours as long as you are going to behave like that. Unless they have all the money and then. Anger is very hard when you're in a one down position. When you, are, when you have less power. Because then you don't know what to do to make things change. And you sometimes just have to scream and make a lot of noise. And then they go, you're so emotional. And they feel superior because they are really calm. And you're really angry. Being calm is not necessarily better than being expressive. You can afford to be calm if you have the power. 
if the status quo, staying the way it is, benefits you, you could be calm for 100 years. You can say, oh, they're so emotional. I don't know why she's jumping up and down and screaming like that. Anger is complicated, and anger is fertile, and anger is helpful. And so, my friends, when you feel it, whether it's about something that's happening to you or whether it's about something that's happening out there, it behooves you to sit and have a conversation with this anger and say, what can I do? What boundaries can I draw? Who do I need to uh, withdraw from? What letters do I need to write? Where do I need to march? What do I need to say? Here's my plan for the next time a conversation like that happens. So be angry. But let it be useful. And don't get stuck. And if you can't figure that out, which most of us can't, talk to somebody you trust about it. Will you say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. The lone wild bird in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. And I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.